it's time to read the word of God. And um, I've been sitting, just listening to Rick, and um, just really feel compelled to ask us to stand for the reading of the word today. Didn't check that with Larry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Our reading comes from James chapter 2, 10 to 26. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not commit murder. And if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one good, God, good, Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I was uh, trained in a tradition where we stood for the gospel reading every week. And so that we used to have four Bible readings. We'd have an old, yes we did, we used to have an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a New Testament reading and a gospel reading. And from the reading of the gospel, uh, we would stand. So for this sermon, we shall... Remain seated. (laughs) Just this week. Heavenly Father, we do pray as we open your holy word and Wendy has emphasised the reverence and the respect for which we need to have to the word of God. It rules over us. We just pray to God right now it would start to live in us in such a wonderful way that we would be refreshed, renewed, rejuvenated, 
and recharged, sent out to be more like Jesus as a result of what we reflect upon in these coming minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a very easy uh, topic to share with you today and you will remember it because my sermon message is simply this, don't be shonky. Don't be shonky. What on earth does that mean? Well, we have the Choice. Choice Australia every year puts out a set of awards for products, promises, and the performance of the products don't line up. And so they give these products shonky awards. And uh, here we have some shonky awards here. Um, we have Coles have made it. Five car brands made it, so bad luck to the Honda, Lexus, Mazda, Toyota and BMW drivers. Westpac has some bizarre thing of a man kissing his pregnant wife. There's the pain eraser, that'll apparently not do much. Um, a particular washing machine, cuddly product didn't quite make it. Vita gummies and uh, Viagogo, which is a ticket They all got shonky awards because in some way they made some promises where their performance didn't line up. Now, when you look up the word shonky, I've had a few people say, I've never heard of that word because we live in a very multicultural society. So it means of dubious integrity, something is unreliable or unsound. Today in our passage, we look at the relationship between faith and deeds faith and deeds it's about the correlation of faith and works it's about beliefs and behaviors not being aligned it's about claims and conduct being at odds it's about promises and performance being very different and when that then there is difference between each of those things it can be said we're shonky so the question for us all to reflect upon this morning is are we shonky Is what we say we believe reflected in what we do in daily life? Are our beliefs and behaviours so closely linked that they can be said what we believe is what we do? Because according to choice, when they're not, we are truly shonky. We're going to have a look at some, some polar extremes going to have a number of diagrams that will try to explain this tension and conundrum to us faith and deeds you have faith and i have deeds it's a fairly extreme kind of polar position to take verse 18 says but some will say you have faith and i have deeds some will say i'm all about right belief for me my relationship with god it's all it's a personal thing i'm all about the vertical My spirituality is all about the vertical. To me, the great emphasis is between me and my God. I'm not so much interested in the horizontal. Myself and my fellow man, well, you know, we've all got an obligation. I don't share my faith much. I'm all about the vertical. I'm all about right belief. The other person says, well, I'm all about action. I'm really all about right action. My faith expresses itself more in the horizontal plane. I'm more concerned with how I love my neighbour than necessarily saying all my prayers all the time. So the faith person might say something like, I have my focus on God. 
I read or listen to devotional material pretty regularly. I say my prayers most days. I'm aware that God is with me every day. But I know that I'm disengaged from sacrificially serving the community around me or in fact the faith community where I attend on a Sunday. I'm not one for talking about Jesus to others really. I tend to keep my distance from people and prefer to keep to myself a bit. I'm more of a I'm more of a faith person. My faith is a private matter between me and God. I have a vertical emphasis in my Christian life. Is that you? Do you tend to be like the faith person? Faith person might have uh, favourite verses. Some of their favourite verses might be anyone who lives on milk still being an infant, not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. They might like 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And they love Psalm 1, 1 to 2 that says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law and who meditates on the law of God day and night. Well, then there's the other person there, the deeds person, who they love, uh, well, they love James, for instance. They love that suppose a brother or a sister. Verse 15 is without clothes or daily food. Someone says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? They love scriptures like that. They may be prone to say things like, uh, I'm outwardly doing things. It looks like I'm doing okay as a Christian to others because I'm all about doing good to others. But really, deep in my heart, I kind of feel my faith is lukewarm, really. It's it's a yesterday faith. And to be honest, it's probably even a yesteryear faith. I was more alive in spiritual things quite some time ago, to be honest. It's a long time since I've felt renewed and revived and vibrant and truly alive in my faith. I'm more of a deeds person. I just like to care for others as a Christian expression. Is that you? Are you more of a faith person or more of a deeds person? The deeds person might have favorite verses like 1 Corinthians 8 1 knowledge puffs up but love builds up they love Matthew 25 40 that says the king will reply will reply truly I tell you whatever you did for the least of these brothers or sisters you did it for me and they love 1 Corinthians 13 13 and the greatest of these is love I wonder where you are on the spectrum you might say well that's outrageous you can't be just one or the other Um, so what we'll do is we'll have um, some sort of a combination of faith and deeds so if you were to try to if this is the faith all faith and all deeds I wonder where you would describe yourself if you were to put a slice through there where are you on that continuum If you were to have to get that diagram and draw a line down at some point that would describe the proportion of you're more of a faith and deeds person, would it be mostly over in the uh, 
in the faith, in the red section, where would you be on that line? It's worth reflecting about. What emphasis? Now, I just need to tell you that there's something absolutely fundamentally wrong and unbiblical with this diagram. Fundamentally wrong and fundamentally unbiblical. That is an unbiblical diagram. I've probably even asked you unbiblical questions. I don't know. I probably do that a lot. I don't know. What we need to have is this. Faith and deed. So faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so what we see here is that both together equal in emphasis and accompanying one another. The scripture says we aren't to just be at one end of the polarization or the other. Brothers and sisters, we are called to be people of great faith. Great faith, great belief in God, great searching in our souls after the Lord, great hunger for the Lord, great seeking him and his blessing, great thirsting for his word and being revived. We are to be people of highly vertical in our worship of God. But as the Bible says, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second great commandment is what? We are to love our neighbour as ourselves. So it's not a matter of being in the vertical and it's not a matter of being in the horizontal. Both are required for us. Jesus has summarised that to us, that we are to love God with everything that we are and we are to love our neighbours as ourselves. So we don't have the option of being one or the other. And that is the kind of thrust that James is bringing that together to us. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without deeds is useless. Faith in action. We need to ask ourselves, what are we doing to develop our faith? What are we doing to develop our faith? And the second question is, what are we doing to demonstrate our faith? We need to be developing our faith and we need to be demonstrating our faith and they need to go like parallel train tracks on which the train of our Christianity travels. So we need to be increasing our love and our affection and our devotion to God and we need to be ever increasing our loving service to fellow human beings both within the church and of course without the church, outside of the church because we've heard much teaching from Jesus about the Good Samaritan. A great passage that brings this together that we're incredibly familiar with, of course, it comes from Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. And it says, and note what it says about faith and note what it says about works. Here it is in just a few simple lines. The tension is brought together. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith... It's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So we establish the fact that we are made right by God with faith and belief and God's grace to us. So there's nothing we can do to earn the favour of God. So we throw ourselves completely on the mercy and grace of God. We are saved, in fact, through our faith in him. So that's why the beginning of verse 9 says, not by works so that no one can boast. No one in this building today can boast that you're a Christian because you've made certain efforts or done certain things. The fact that we can call ourselves Christians today has been gifted 
gifted to us as a grace of God, as an incredible act of mercy. And all we have done by faith is to reach out and take the great gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, not by work so that no one can boast. But it's interesting, without virtually drawing a breath, look what he says next. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Not by works, but for good works. And so here it is, the great, this great kernel of truth of salvation that we're saved by grace through faith. And, and we, it's not about works so that no one can boast, but we are saved for good works. God wants us to come into a living, thriving presence and a great relationship with him. And then he wants us to express that out through works. And so the two are not separated. The two go hand in hand together for the rest of our life. And we see that in a couple of great examples that this passage gives us. We see uh, two examples of faith in action. That's what I love to call it, either a faith that works or faith in action. The patriarch and the prostitute, Abraham and Rahab. Very different people, both listed in Hebrews 11 on the great honour roll of Hebrews 11, the great honour roll of heroes of faith, the patriarch and the prostitute. The patriarch and the prostitute. Well, we know about Abraham. He's highly reverenced, of course, in much Christian thinking and, and religious thinking, also, of course, the Jews and and other places as well. We know about him. He's the great patriarch that God gave the promises to in chapter 12 and chapter 15 of Genesis. Look at those early parts of those chapters and you'll see the great covenants and promises that God made to him. He set out by faith to the promised land, to a land that he'd never seen. He left the land of the Ur where he was living and he set out for a land that he had never seen by faith. By faith, he believed he would become the father of a great nation despite not up until this stage being able to have any children and being an incredible geriatric in in reality when he finally had a promised son to his wife he was able to, he took took that son up into the mountain and what did he do bound him up put him on an altar tied him up raised his knife because God was testing him. He was prepared to sacrifice his one and only son who was going to be the heir, who was going to be the, the key to all the stars of the nations. He was prepared to all do that. Why was he prepared to do that? Do you know why? Because the book of Hebrews tells us why. This is what it says. Hebrews eleven nineteen says, Abraham reasoned. This is going through Abraham's head. He's got the knife up here. He's got his the heir of his whole the generations to come, the seed that would go down right down to Jesus is lying before him. He's got his knife up. He's reasoning like this at the time where he's got his, his sharpened knife ready to plunge it into the heart of his own son. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. He believed that God could, even if he did that, God could raise his son from the dead. That's, that's 
very echoing of the New Testament, isn't it? That God is the one that can raise the dead. There's Abraham saying, even if I did this, even if I killed my son, I believe in a God, my Yahweh God can raise my son. I have the faith to do that, but I also have the faith to act that out. I have the faith to believe he can be raised from the dead and I have the faith of obedience to plunge the knife. Faith and works being together. So it says in verse 22, his faith and his actions were working together. And then we come to Rahab the prostitute. She is the great, great grandmother of King David. That's an interesting DNA study, isn't it? She is genetically in the line of Jesus. If you go back, so she's a Canaan pagan prostitute. And she is a direct descendant of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, and of King David. Comes right down through that line. You can track it through and find out that it comes down through the line of David, the great, great grandmother of King David. Uh, and there's a great backstory that I want to read to you. And it says, you know, that she believed in God. That, you know, then into the promised land, Jericho is the first city that needs to fall. Uh, someone, a commentator that I read, which I disagreed with greatly, said, oh, she was just a pagan prostitute and the best thing she ever did was tell a lie. I'll tell you more about her in just a moment. Here's a great part of the story. Before the spies, this spy's been sent in. The Israelites are, are coming through. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up, that is Rahab, and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Zion and Og, verse 11, I'm in Joshua chapter 2. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on earth below. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on the earth below. She believed in the God of the Israelites. She saw his great works. And then she said, just please be kind and show mercy to my family. Yes, she was a pagan Canaanite prostitute. But that's the story of God. He takes those people who were such things and makes great things out of them. I tell you in the name of Christ this morning, don't worry about your past because it's under the blood of Jesus. He's got a reconstructing life for you, a destiny ahead. We mustn't judge each other because of the mistakes that we have uh, we have made in the past. We mustn't categorize people by the mistakes we have made in the past. Like this commentator, let us not be dismissive of people because of the mistakes they've made in the past. When the salvation of God grabs a hold of somebody and the spirit of God puts a destiny on their life he makes all things new 
And so it, all the things that we were, God's saying, I can deal with those things, but let's construct a great future together. And so this is what Rahab did. Yes, she hid the spies. Yes, do you know what she also did? She underwent the interrogation of the king of Jericho and she she bore up under that but you know what she also did she left everything that she had and her and her family she went off she believed in the God of Israel she assimilated completely into the people of God she was to marry um, a person who would then become the great great grandfather of uh, King David and, uh, and as an ancestor of Jesus Christ, so she married uh, Salmon, who was descended from Abraham himself. And then you can just see a few generations and she goes on. So she, uh, the scripture says, so that faith without deeds is dead. So both of them are heroes for different reasons. Abraham was a hero of faith. Um, Rahab was a hero of faith. They had tremendous faith. But their faith was accompanied by actions because faith without deeds is dead. So don't be shonky. Don't be shonky. What does it mean to be shonky? It's meant when the promises that we make and the product that we produce are not one and the same. It's a correlation between faith and deeds. It's about beliefs and behaviours not being aligned. It's about claims and conduct. It's about promises and performance. So how are we not to be shonky? God is looking for faith and he's looking for faith in action. He's looking for a faith that works. So as you go out into this week, just say to yourself, don't be shonky. Let's all say it together, don't be shonky. On that note, we're going to sing.